Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome in, friends, to Rates and Barrels right here on The Athletic. I am Chris Welsh. That is Eno Saris. It's Saris. <laughs> called out on the internet. You know, you have to correct me on things. I was putting some English uh, on your last I name. I do too correct. many radio spots. I, you know, it's no, fine. I know how it is. It's, it's Eno <laughs> Plus, and Welsh. I'm not the paragon of pronunciation. So. Yeah, I, well, I don't necessarily try to be unless I like. Right. If I That's can true. Get a, I also do. I'm not doing this as a bit. I do not think it's funny to mispronounce people's names. I've just I speak German and French and, you know. That's my that's my excuse. It's just, I don't really have an excuse. Like I try, but I do get like I do get super excited when I have someone's name that everybody else says wrong, and I know I can do it right. Like it is a very exciting moment, and that actually was uh, like Jared Kelnick. Jared Kelnick was like that for many years because I t- I who uh, shout out Welsh. Uh, I talked to him like 2019. I'm doing my thing, my callbacks, and I asked him this exact question. I was like, it's How Kelnick, do you say right? <laughs> and he was like, Yeah, it's Kelnick. But everyone would go Kalinic was a very popular yeah, one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kalinic was one. So it's a very exciting. Sure, I moment. screwed it up many times. Yeah, every everybody on the planet. <laughs> it's just a, it's like super exciting when you have that. And uh, but it's also probably very exciting for listeners when we do something wrong that they get to tell us. It's like the most exciting thing of their day to call us out on it. So it's Eno, Cyrus, and Chris Welsh today on the episode talking about a lot of the latest news. Of course, what happened over the weekend, ironically, way more stuff than we probably expected just over a couple of days of being off. And, Eno has got some WBC uh, stuff plus numbers, which should be very interesting to talk about. We're going to do, but I do want to remind you guys to come and check us out over at the athletic, the slash rates and barrels, $2 a month is going to get your subscription set and you get access to all of the things like the draft kit. This is the last opportunity for you to take advantage of the draft kit. I don't know, unless you're crazy and you do like one that's two weeks into the season, you, which is still great. It's still great. You're going to have access to it, but sign up now, get access to that. You get all of Eno's work. My dynasty ranks are up there and a gajillion other awesome things. So go to theathletic.com slash rates and barrels, and we would very much appreciate it. And for everybody wondering, I do believe uh, we are in a week and a half countdown to uh, the great uh, Derek Van Riper returning. I know people are probably patiently waiting. Derek has been uh, spending time with his wife and his Every child. Show as he I should. Host, I wish for him back. You know what's that? <laughs> Every show I have to host, I wish for him back. <laughs> I heard that wrong. You're like, I thought it was like, Every show I do, I wish for him back. I'm like, dang, yeah. me and Alex. No, no, no. Every time yeah, I have I to host, I'm such a terrible host. I thank very much for your hosting abilities. I well, guess. I appreciate it. Well, I think I think you undercut yourself. You do a really great job. But I, I have enjoyed doing the shows with you very much. And I appreciate all the people that have said very, very nice things um, about you and I doing the shows together. I've seen a lot of nice compliments. So thank you. You know, and, and I luckily have had a nice rapport over the years and a good relationship. So I think that makes it a little bit easier. And uh, let's get into the stuff. Let's get into the stuff and things here, my friends, where the WBC, WBC, 
I don't need to do this a whole bunch, but the WBC is like full front attack for everybody right now on the internet because of the injuries that are coming out of it, which, you know, it's kind of hilarious, you know, because it's like spring training does the same thing. And if it wasn't the WBC, we're having simultaneous spring training news updates at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's like we're going to enter Nemo hurt the same day as Edwin Diaz, you know, it's like, well, it's also, it's like, uh, if it wasn't the WBC, the, the complaint we would be hearing right now is spring training is too long. Like that's what everyone would do. Which oh, is, spring training is too long. Yeah, that's probably true. It's probably true. It might be. I mean, for me personally out here, it's too short because I've only got a right. week left to be able to go. And everyone's everyone's in town. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, the WBC has been under attack a whole bunch and there have been plenty of injuries. Edwin Diaz obviously was the biggest of all of them. The newest one, though, came this weekend. I was watching as many people were watching this live. Jose Altuve was hit on the hand and has a fractured right thumb. It is going to require surgery. Apparently, we found out in the coming days and he's going to miss eight to 10 weeks, it which is going to be about, obvious, right yeah, it's right. going to be about six to eight in season. So yeah, I that mean, was pretty, that was, as soon as it happened, I was like, he, he's broken. That's broken. He'd like the way he was holding it. He was, he was, he was, it was broken. Well, we also had a fear not to like jump uh, the next conversation or anything like that. or one of the have in here, but Nolan Arenado had a very similar situation happen where he was hit and it was a little bit more in the wrist. And luckily it looks like it's going to be um, not the x-ray test, right? Yeah. Right. He didn't have anything broken or anything like that, but like these injuries mounting up, but the Jose Altuve one is huge because the position for fantasy baseball at second base already kind of stunk. It already was a problem overall. And you're going to take him off the table for what looks like two months of the regular season. And that is a absolutely brutal blow. So I'm curious. It almost really gets him. I mean, I guess Trevor's story is out a little bit longer, but maybe the whole know, season. Yeah, kind of wherever you had uh, Trevor's story, you know, you're not going to have Altuve much higher than that. So, but what do you think? What uh, is that? Well, taking oh. the the best projected second baseman basically, and you're replacing him with David Helsley. Yeah, well, let's talk about Helsley in a second here because he's super interesting. But on the Altuve front. What do you think the range is? Because my initial reaction to this was like, if you wanted to do this, you could snag him between like 90 and 110, somewhere in there. And then what you do is you have to back him up later. A personal one I really like is I like getting like Cattell Marte later because Cattell Marte has like a super low ADP. And if you're able to take Altuve and you have some form, obviously not an NFBC where you don't have a, an IL spot, but you have an IL spot, you draft him, and then you take like a complimentary second baseman, which in my mind, I think Cattell Marte is like the perfect person. But what do you think the actual ADP spot is? Like, let me ask you right here. Would you rather have Altuve with drafting a replacement or Glaber Torres, who has like around a 105 to 110 ADP on NFBC? I have a, a very sort of a strong NFBC bias during these time of the year because you know like i'm preparing for my main event and you know i'm thinking about that so in that case it would be glaber torres but if i had an il slot i could see it because torres doesn't really steal bases um i don't know how many he'll steal this year <laughs> he's yeah, like kind of he's right in that place where he could steal a lot more or not many more and everybody else could steal more so i i don't I think I would lean Torres. I don't like I don't like to have to think that I have to have two roster spots to figure out one one position. 
Okay, so it sounds like he's going to go further down here. Max I, Muncy is like a 130. I just found him. Yeah, 132 since March 1st on Draft Champions. And projections NFC. love him and say that he's a, a value. On the bounce back. So maybe Jorge Polanco at 150. Let's see. Jorge Polanco is also dealing with an injury. It's funny enough that you mentioned that because we also have, um, I don't know if I put it on here, but it looks like he's going to miss the beginning of the year and might hit an IL stint. And it might be minimal. It might be like two weeks or something like that, but he's already kind of banged up. What's wrong with him? Uh, let me pull it up here because it was. Oh, missed that one. Yeah. He, well, they said he he's not going to be ready for the start of the, the season. Normal soreness. No setback. We're running out of days. Yeah, might not be ready for the season. Also actually talking about uh, Kirloff and Buxton, no shocker, being uh, set up. Yeah, he suffered a bone bruise last season, and I guess it's still lingering. Oh, that is not good. That do- well, See, that doesn't seem like something. Bone are the weirdest things, man. Sometimes they were a big deal. And that seems like something I wouldn't want to do. So like in that case, in that specific case of Polanco, I actually would go with the upside of Altuve because you're missing, I guess, well, a third of the season. In both cases, 100%. I yeah. guess uh, then, the, well, how about, where's uh, Jonathan India these days? Okay, India. Uh, actually, I'm very curious at what you're going to say with that then because I'm not a big Jonathan India guy. Jonathan India has a 177 ADP since okay. March 1st on Draft Champions. That's where, that's where, I mean, I would jump on it. I would, I would do Altova over Polanco. And I think I would do Altova over, over India, um, especially if I could pair it with Marte, who goes another 20 picks later. So maybe how about Altuve Marte, like, you know, back to back almost like. How about you know, Brandon Lau, who has a 170? Is that the same kind of, he, I mean, he's really close to India. Is that the same thing or does he get like an extra? The thing power? that's hard about projecting Brandon Lau is that he's a pull lefty. And if he does get some love from the shift rules, then that changes his projections uh, pretty hardcore in terms of his value because, you know, he strikes out a lot. 249 career average, projected for 245 by most of the systems. But what if he, as a pull lefty, gets a little lucky and, and hits 260? Now you're talking about 260, a guy who could hit, you know, he could hit 30 homers again. And 260 and 30 homers with a handful of stolen bases, it's uh, it's hard to look past that. But maybe you could pair him with that. This is just about to say, I was say, would you be willing to Lau pair and, like... Lau and, and that, that does mean you're pushing, like your util now has to be an MI, right? You're pushing all this down. So now, because you, your util has to be an MI, because basically you're saying, okay, for MI, I'm going to take Altuve, but I have to take another one. So you have to take three... MIs. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, you have to take four MIs. So basically, I'm just saying you have to use a lot, the extra roster spot. So that there is some cost to that. But if I'm saying like I can pair Lau and uh, and and uh, or Marte with Altuve, then I can, then I would do it. So yeah, I think around 170, he can, becomes palatable to me. Uh, yeah, I mean that, and that's where I think it's going to be really interesting because I have the, I just have a feeling drafts when they start to push this coming weekend not saying nfbc because nfbc is a different beast we all have to understand that if there's like no il spots i think that is going to kind of change everything and obviously big big dollar you just want your production now but in a lot of just like home leagues and stuff like that i just don't know if altuve is really going to dip and drop outside like the 125s because that the ability to stash you like we can't we can't dismiss we can't dismiss the idea that 
being able to stash a player and find replacement value in a 10 team league. I think this is way more palatable as well because the player pool yeah. is just bigger. So you can get easily, you, you can could easily almost get like, these guys. you could almost just draft Altuve and then just see what you can get off the wire. I mean, what about David Hensley? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, uh, be an interesting idea. The, the guy had a really nice debut in terms of making contact. And in fact, had a better strikeout rate in his first uh, attempt at the big leagues than he did in any stop in the minor leagues. So all the projections are saying he's going to strike out more, but with an 8.5% swinging strike rate and a good eye at the plate, are we sure he's going to strike out a lot more? If he strikes out 20% of the time, he could hit 260 uh, and give you, you know, five homers and five stolen bases uh, while you're waiting for Altuve. Well, there's so much that's fascinating about him too. If you want to talk about, polar opposites he's also six foot six he's gonna be like the tallest second baseman to the shortest second baseman in baseball which is crazy he had uh 10 homers. why does he not have more power that's kind of crazy he's a six I, foot six like contact guy skinnier if it's like a skinnier guy he, he looks like he's got that like um jeff mcneil frame but just like a taller uh, guy uh, with the jeff mcneil frame 10 homers 20 stolen bases in the minors last year 80 walks though supporting a 420 obp this spring which might be a little bit more relevant to people it's been a pretty good spring two homers two stolen bases 286 that obp is still up 400 plus obp so if you play in an obp format he might even be a little bit more uh, worthwhile than just like, oh, he's just a replacement to Altuve for now. Hensley might really have some run here, but you now this is he's a huge second baseman that's going to be in play. Let's say in the 10 and 12 team formats for just one second. Do you think you would push Altuve up, whether it is focusing on Hensley or Marte or whatever is in a 10 and 12 team do you think Altuve's ADP sits more in the 100s? Because like you were saying, maybe you just take him, you IL him, and you have way more replacements. Or do you still think it should be lower? Yeah, I think the shallower the league, the more likely I take the shot. So then we get into 15, and now you 15-team Roto. Now, now he's pushing. 150 plus. He's one, you know, 160, 170, somewhere in there. In a 10-team, the- yeah, I could see him being like 10, 100 to 120 because – you know, you're going to finish a 10 team draft and there's on the on the uh, waiver wire is going to be Chris Taylor. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, there might right. be some scenarios where Cattel Marte might still be. I mean, there, yeah, you know, right. things happen in league. <laughs> also, if you play in like a um, like an ESPN or a, Yah- a Yahoo based league and you use their standard roster construction, they don't use like ESPN doesn't use middle and corner anymore. They just they have less roster spots. So that's another thing that kind of alters it. So uh, at the end of the day, you can manipulate this stuff. I think what you could do, and if you want to be in the Altuve game this year, is let's say 150 is the range. Let's say, you know, kind of set the table. 150 is the range. Maybe you jump a tiny bit ahead, and then you also reach ahead on Lau, and you just snag both of those guys back to back. Or, you know, how whatever that grouping you yeah. really like is. I like the Cattell Marte. I can pay a little bit cheaper. But if you like that's Lau three, and Altuve. That three together, is interesting to me. Those three as a, as a plan, you know. Even yeah. if and if he gets screwed out of it, you know, Chris Taylor has a really high ADP and a decent projection. So, so in the main Chris Taylor event, could be a backup plan even in the in, even in deeper leagues. Not to unveil any main event plans, but will um David Hensley be on your watch list for the main event? Uh I've got a co a co-manager this year, and um, okay. and we've been mostly focusing on the top of the draft right now to get our KDS strong. 
So uh, okay. I think there's so much that happens after your first few picks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Then right. anything. Can uh, what if we end up with Albies? Then it, you know Hensley might be on our our waiver on our on our minds, but not necessarily a top target. We might have a weaker position somewhere where we we need somebody. You know? Well, the the really interesting thing I'll actually be for your main event is going to be how are everybody? Because what is it? Is it 15 teams? Uh, yeah, 15 teams. Yeah. So how is everybody going to approach second base now? Because you guys are all going to be in an arms race for second base guys. It's going to be Jazz, Marcus, Simeon, Altuve. Everyone's going to be fighting for. And then what? You know, you're going to try to hopefully get maybe a a better deal on a max months. I mean, there's only so many names to go. I'm actually more curious, not where a guy like Hensley goes, how those top second basemen are going to be treated. Like, is Simeon going to go? He should probably be the number one. I, I consider Jazz the best play at second base, but Simeon is probably the safest. I wouldn't be shocked if Simeon went a full round higher than he was going. What if he went into the mid twenties? I mean, do you think that's possible with the position? It is, but I, I I'm hoping not to panic myself. Uh, second base is an, is an interesting position for me. So third base, everyone talks about the shelf and, and, and the quality of the top. And that's true. There are five, uh, there's five third basemen. If you count wit, uh, projected for by the bat X in the 15 teamer um, to be worth more than $40. I mean, $30. Um, and so, uh, oh, this doesn't have MIRCI. Good job. I mean, let me, let me just do like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there's five, uh, there's five, including Bregman over 20, right? Um, and so that's good. That's good. That's six, six, including Witt and Bregman. So that's six, that's, that's a big shelf. Right. And then you've got, uh, 15 that are over $10 by the bad X. Uh, It's a good position. And, and and I I can see people wanting to maybe dip into it twice and get something off that top of that shelf. Second base, uh, with Altuve out now has, uh, four guys above 20, right? So it just doesn't have the same quality, but it does have 17 guys above $10, right? Uh, so it, in fact, has some of the same similarities to third base in terms of depth. It just doesn't have the top end quality. Yeah. So I'm not trying to show my hand or anything. If any of these guys uh, go come to me at the right opportunity, I'll take it. But my instinct with second base, especially without Tube out, is uh, to wait. Yeah, uh, interesting because if you're not if you're not going to lock yourself into that top end tier, there might not really be a big difference or any type of fear of getting anybody else. If there's whatever, would you say like twelve right, guys like, with ten dollar plus, like it's kind of all in the same general range. Well, you've got Glaber uh, projected for seventeen at a one. These this Fangraph showing the ADP, so at, at a one hundred ADP, you were saying, um, but you also have uh, Luis Arise. Uh, with a $14 projection, that's $3 less. Uh, and his ADP is like 75 points higher. So I'm not saying I'm going to get Luis Arias. I'm just saying that there it's uneven. Second base is uneven by ADP, whereas uh, there are still a $17, $10, well, 16 now with Altuve out, 10, 16 $10 second baseman. So if there's 16 $10 second baseman, why panic? You know? I don't know if there's a player I struggle with more than Luis Arise. I just don't get him because the contact <laughs> skills are so crazy. But he is a, a little bit of those one of those like one uh, one category players. That's it. But he is. I mean, but he's so elite as far as the hitter goes in points leagues. He's great. But 
he just doesn't hit homers. He doesn't steal. I just don't know what to ever do with him. I don't know how to value him. I mean, him hitting in prominent spots of the lineup are great, but he's also, he goes over to a team. He had two like homers in the WBC in one game. Oh, I half of his I was like, season total. No, dude. I was like, well, let's save him. Save him, buddy. Yeah, exactly. It's like the beep. I, I just don't under, he, I struggle with him, but okay. It's an interesting thing. Uh, last, last thing on this, um, just any last takes on, Hensley. I mean, you know, you've, you've kind of danced around it, not I, even main event stuff. I think he's like, fun for short term, but I just, and, and I, the OVP thing is fun. I struggle to see where he like swim moves past somebody, you know what I mean? Like there's no real opportunity. Like even like, is he going to, would he take over for Michael Brantley at DH? I, I can't imagine. I don't yeah. think he's a six foot six second baseman is going to end up in center. Would is, is he that athletic? He's not right. No, I don't. I, I mean, I, I'm not familiar with him being crazy. Athletic. I mean, he seems like he'd be a corner outfield type of guy, six foot six, which you know, they don't really pounds. have a need for. But they weren't looking at it beforehand. Also, what I think it's really hard about yeah, this. He has played seven games in the outfield in all at every, every level since 2019. And it was all at left field. They also have this prospect who is in AAA, Justin Durden, who might be a monster, um, like just a big, big power guy. And and so Corey jokes well. too, right? Like, yeah. So not terrible. I think this is just like replacement. Here's the other thing with fantasy because I think a lot of people are looking. They're like, oh, this guy's really interesting, and da da da. But it's like the 26th qualified second baseman on NFBC is Brendan Donovan. And Brandon Donovan has made some swing changes to try to tap into more power, winning a gold glove. He's not coming off the field. And it's like, would you really, do you really want to wait and get David Hensley and pass up guys like Brendan Donovan or you said, right, right, right. Like it's not worth it. Like, so how like uh, Hensley to me is a bench pick. He's like somebody you think is going to, you know, he's going to play in the first couple of weeks. And maybe you like something about the schedule or it's super cheap and, super deep and you just know he's going to play. So yeah. Hensley's a good like AL only uh first week fab run pickup where you know you had a you had a hole coming out of the draft, right? Yeah. Oh I would, god. I, I hope that wasn't was labor FAB last night. I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> that was a live reaction of of the oh god did this just happen? Um, I would rather have Michael Massey. Michael Massey's uh, thirty. There's a more opportunity there for him to become a second baseman all year. Yeah, and well, I also think just categorically he's just a, he's just a better pick for speed combo with Michael Massey. So Hensley's fun. We'll watch it. If you're in a deep league and draft is over and none of these guys are options, that's, I think, we are looking at Hensley. When you're getting into drafts, I don't think it is, unless it's like a 24-team craziness or something like that. But uh, the Altuve injury hurts. Luckily, Arenado's not bad. Another one we just got in here was the Juan Soto injury. And we'll have to see the severity. I'm curious at your take on this. Juan Soto is currently day-to-day after suffering a mild left oblique strain, and he did this in a B minor league game. When they say that, I'm not sure if they were running a side game, which they do, because this is what they do in spring. They've got spring games, they've got minor league spring games, and then sometimes they run these side session games. So how they, it doesn't matter, but I just don't know if it was in the minor league game. Yeah, it's a scrimmage-based game. Either way, he got hurt, and... They're kind of poo-pooing a little bit. They took him immediately out. But the problem here is right here, you know, left oblique strain, even if mild. How concerning is that to you for Juan Soto, especially if they don't give us any concrete information of like 
you know, the severity of the, and I know they're saying mild and stuff like that in day to day, but that day to day could easily turn into starting the season on the IL. Yeah. And he'd been uh, playing really well this spring and I, you know, I'd hope for a little bit of a power resurgence. I'm not that worried yet. Although time is short opening day is 10 days away. Um, so he could, he could miss the beginning of the season, even with a mild one, because the whole problem with oblique strains is that you just have to wait till it doesn't hurt anymore. Like that's, that's how it was explained to me by Zach Greinke is like, I, and then I have to try. And if I hurts, then that's basically a setback and I have to wait a longer. (laughs) So it's like, uh, it's a real tricky injury. And it's also super important because baseball is a really rotational sport that uh that's why these obliques have been uh have been a big deal is because people you know hip shoulder separation is the source of trunk rotation and trunk rotation is uh velo whether it be batted ball speed bat bat speed or 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 pitch speed so if you want velo you're going to rotate your trunk real fast well how do you rotate your trunk real fast how do you create hip shoulder separation a lot of times you over rotate where you over rotate your back shoulder to get more of that hip shoulder separation when you over rotate, your obliques are pre-stretched before you before they need to fire, and so uh, I think it it can be sometimes bad mechanics, or it's just an oblique heavy sport. It's a sport that uses the obliques a lot. They're these little muscles that help you turn your body. You also, know, if rotate. you want to talk about a player that is very movement oriented in their swing. Look at Soto, who's very spread out, is very jumpy into pitches that are even balls. I mean, there there is so much movement, not arm movement, physical body movement in his overall swing that like, not to make it a big deal, but I don't know if I were to pick a couple players that like this would be a worry from he would be one of them just because there's so much just body stretch movement and you're talking about the rotation also and he had the thing pre-wbc i don't remember if that was an oblique or I, I can't recall what that was that held him not going into the wbc so that's now two injuries in spring training he suffered yeah and the, the other tough thing is let's say i i think i'm not that worried right let's say i i, I don't think it's a big deal but it is something right it is not zero Whatever I'm worried, it yeah. is not zero. It's not like 100, but it's not zero. When you are talking about a first-round pick, like having anything starts to nag at you. Because you just, with your first-round pick, you just want the stud that your whole team is built on. You don't want any questions. You know what I mean? And so, like, Soto right now is going sort of mid-back of the first round. Is, do you have the ADPs in front yeah, of you? Yeah, he's got, uh, as of March 1st, he's actually nine. Uh, yeah. This is looking at draft champions. He's got a high of, interestingly, seven and a low of 14. So he has never fallen out of a 15-team first round. But is this the thing that does it, though? And it, or, or does he start grouping closer to the 14? I mean, uh, would you rather, would you rather Mookie Betts? Or I have Mookie Betts above. I, have Mookie, I, I already have, have Mookie Betts. Would you above. rather have Jordan Alvarez? See, that is the best one because remember a couple weeks ago. Remember my risky team. I was, I was, oh, taking, yeah. I was all bad risk and Jordan Alvarez yeah. with a wrist, and everything has kind of worked out. But he also he, he's going to begin like I think game action the last couple days leading into the season. Yeah, his news his news arrow is up. <laughs> I, mean, no, I, think, I think I think Alvarez over Soto maybe. 
Are you okay? Because that's I'm really struggling with it. I think I might pick Alvarez over that, assuming we have no information. That's the thing that I'm concerned with. I need some info. It's really interesting too, because the projection for Alvarez in Fangrass and the auction calculator spits out 34 for him and 38 for Soto. But guess what? It gives Soto 665 plate appearances and it gives Alvarez 586. What do you Ooh. think they have equal amounts of plate appearances this year? Then they probably have basically equal projections. So you take the guy that's a little that's, that's going in with the arrow to health. thing up. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the one who's actually you know playing games, especially if he starts playing the games. If he gets into a game the next couple of days, that cements it. Alvarez. And I'm look and I'm looking too, and there's just no information currently on what's going on with it. Oh, Let's, Houston is the worst, dude. Oh my. Well, God. I'm talking Soto. Uh, Soto. Uh, there's no information on the Soto, but yeah, Houston is the worst with the Alvarez stuff. But the, I don't see you know that Alvarez is going to play in a game this week. Yeah, as soon as he does, he's he's over Soto for me. So if let's just for one second, if Soto were to hit the IL and they say, hey, listen, it's not a big deal. We just want to give him the extra time. He's not going to be ready right at the start. So we're just going to throw him on and he's going to miss the first uh, two weeks. And they they commit to that. Is Soto out of the first round? If you get all the information, even though they say, hey, listen, it's not a biggie, but he's going to be on the IL. Do you think he jumps out of the first round? Yeah. Yeah. There's some good options at the back end, but. I think he's going to stay ahead of Paul Goldschmidt. He's going to stay ahead of Rafael Devers. He's going to stay ahead of Mike Trout. You know, Devers has the team context around him. You know, he'll start bumping up against Manny Machado. Okay. Cause I was going to say, if you had the wheel pick, if you had a 15 pick and Soto was there, would you pair Soto with if you're going to miss the first two weeks? Then I'll just take Manny. Yeah, you I should. think he could fall out of the first. I think he could end up being like 15, 16 ADP. Might be a value at it, you know? But would you? Like, you have the 15th pick, and let's say it's like, you know, Riley. Let's say Machado is there. Let's say so, and you have Soto, Machado, uh, maybe one of the pitchers. I'll give you Corbin Burns is sitting out there, Garrett Cole, whichever one. Like, yeah, are I'm you taking one of the pitchers. Him? I'm taking one of the pitchers over him. And then, so you're going to take one of the pitchers and Machado and then, over Soto? Yeah, maybe, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a big deal. That's a big deal to continue to watch. Uh, another big deal, Jacob deGrom made his Cactus League debut on Sunday. He went three innings, shut out baseball, uh, 34 pitches in that. I'd actually noted, remember in the game I saw, he only needed 24 pitches to get through two, and this time it was against big leaguers. He didn't walk anybody. Uh, he struck out four. 28 of 34 pitches were thrown for strikes. And his fastball was in the sitting between 97, 99. I think even might have hit triple digits. So, you know, we've talked a lot about Jacob DeGrom. We don't have to go nuts. But now you have in-game action. Thoughts on seeing him out there and the effectiveness up against the Mariners. 140 innings. He's the best pitcher in baseball. Boom. The race to 140 innings. So nothing has really changed because it's it's all about like if he stays healthy, you continuously get to see his stuff and how amazing it is and how incredible it is. And he finally got out in game action, which makes everybody happy, but it didn't really change the narrative though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I it's the same. It's the same. I I I, uh, I struggle with Matt, man. There's just it's it's a it's a YOLO picked for me where it's it's could go badly. But you don't want a YOLO. You don't want a YOLO in a main event. I don't know. Okay, maybe maybe YOLO. I mean, I'm kind of a YOLOer. I YOLO. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to YOLO. I didn't get to YOLO with Jacob deGrom, unfortunately, this offseason because in my positional drafting and stuff, you know, like I don't get to do NFC, or, uh, NFC 
in FBC, like like draft champions and stuff in Arizona, for whatever reason, by the way, it's legal uh, gambling. We have everything. We have all the casino. We have all the apps. We have DraftKings, all that. But NFBC didn't get their license set with Arizona, so I can't go and do all my draft champions. If I'm doing high-dollar ones for people, so I don't think I'm a crazy person, I'm definitely a lot more safe and a little bit more risk-averse. But when I do something like a TGFBI, I'm going to play more YOLO because that's an opportunity to play YOLO and it's a gajillion. Because there's an overall prize. Exactly. And I'm looking more YOLO in that respect. So that's why I would do the, I had Tatis and Jordan Alvarez and I took uh, O'Neill Cruz and stuff like that. Jacob deGrom kind of sits in that world. I just wonder how much, uh, if we can have another acronym in here, FOMO is going to happen with Jacob deGrom if he's healthy and what the narrative is going to look like. Like Because everyone universally says 140 innings, he's the best pitcher in baseball. That's so many less innings than any normal given pitcher that <laughs> yeah. I also I don't know. Understand. Everyone's going to be more like 180 this year. So, but still, I mean, that's like, uh, that's a significant amount less. It's just like mm-hmm. how big of an injury is everybody expecting from Jacob ground? We know he's going to get hurt. He's going to have an IL stint and stuff like that. But I feel like the, in, the significant injury is being baked in so much, but I guess it doesn't make you feel good when he's been babied this entire spring. I mean, like, are you okay with the babying of him this entire spring or is it more warning signs? No, that's, that's going to be part of the picture. Okay. All right. No more Jacob to ground. We'll get out of that. I, I can, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's no change really. Yeah. No change. All right. Uh, real quick thoughts. You mentioned it before. Brandon Nimmo currently week to week with a low grade, uh, right knee and ankle sprain. What is that doing for draft status for you for this coming weekend with Nimmo? He's interesting because he's been a value, I think in drafts, um, because he kind of provides value in terms of, um, such a great OBP that, you know, he, he adds those runs and, um, you know, I kind of believe in the in 15 to 16 home run power. And, and, you know, if he was healthy with the legs, five to 10 stolen bases, it's one of those things that it doesn't stand out in any one way, but he keeps you, yeah. keeps you going. He is a, a one category stud in runs, but he's not a zero, he's not zero categories otherwise. So he's, he's been somebody that I've gotten in drafts because I feel like he's fallen a little bit lower than he should. People tend to be looking for stolen bases or for homers when he goes. And when you take Nimmo, you not, you're not really um, solving either of those riddles. You know what I mean? You're just yeah, sure. sort of kicking the can down the road a little bit. But uh, with this, uh, he's a little bit less uh, likely to uh, be on one of my teams. But he says he's going to be ready for opening day. Week to week is a really weird, really weird way to put it uh, when there's one week to opening day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just say week to week. So he could be ready or couldn't. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. Uh, a couple other. These are non-injury based notes, but they're important. I think this could be sneaky. I don't know about you. Jerks and Profar coming off of his time in the WBC with Netherlands signed a just under $8 million guaranteed deal with the Rockies, which also has some uh, some incentive-based stuff. But it's already been said that he's going to play left field and lead off for the team. And his ADP, because he hasn't been drafted anywhere, has been post 400 across the board. I looked at uh, Fantasy Pros like ECR, their consensus ranks on all the sites, and it was 404, Jerkson Profar was. It's obviously going to come up, but you're talking about a leadoff hitter in Colorado, went 15-5 last year with the Padres, 
What say you about Profar? Is there anything in there that excites you, especially for the big discount you're going to get? Yeah. Yeah. There's a weird thing about him is that when he barrels the ball, he pulls it every single time. So I think he pulled, he had like 15 barrels last year and he pulled every single one of them. <laughs> so he's like one of those guys that just takes a shot every once in a while. Uh, and, uh, and it works out for him. I think he's going to be more of a 260 hitter uh, in, uh, in Colorado. But 260 with, uh, you know, 15 to 20, 15 to 17 homers and, and five plus steals. He's a top 50 outfielder now, you know, and I, I'm taking him ahead of, um, you know, I, people seem to like Seth Brown a lot. And I, I just see the poor batting average, you know. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I think has playing time risk. That's a crowded Arizona outfield and. You know who? How that shakes out, we're not exactly sure. Lane Thomas is a is an old guy on a team that wants to get young. I mean, he's I mean, he's not super old. What is he? Like twenty nine? Shut up, you know. He's not old. I also don't know if they have any other, like, yeah. But he's not. He's like kind of a low ceiling guy, right? If they yeah. find if like Garrett, if Garrett Stone or any of those other guys goes off, even Jake Alou, whatever. Like, That's a good point. Lane Thomas is not going to stop him. So I don't know. I take Profar over uh, some of those guys and. Um, you know, Whit Merrifield, he's Espinal is there, you know, like is Whit Merrifield a everyday starter? I don't know. So Profire doesn't again, he's a little bit like Nimmo, where he's not gonna hit you a bunch of homers or steal you a bunch of bases, but he's really good oatmeal. Yeah, and also like what his role is very different than what it was with the Padres. Padres, you had a lot of like team leaders and you know, he was trying to be a cog and trying to get playing time. And now he's going into a position where they're like, as there's Chris Bryant, but it's just like a it's a bigger spot for him to kind of work and build for a contract. And he's going to get the lead off in Colorado. I think it's interesting to see where he's going to, um, where it's going to finish out for these drafts this you know, next 10 days. Like, what is this going to actually look like? Because it's 480 P out based on what yeah, you're saying. I think he's probably right around the two hundreds, right? Yeah. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to zoom up. It's also a little bit sad for some of the sleepers we had on the rest of this roster I think it is an indication that the Rockies are going to uh, pretend they're contenders again. And yeah. uh, that means Mike Moustakis is, is going to be the third baseman. That's kind of interesting. Uh, but it also means that uh, Nolan Jones and Michael Toglia, uh, I mean, Jones is, I think, if he's not in the minors yet, he's, already, he's, got, he's, he's got a ticket to ride. Um, it he says he's the age for the team, though. Yes, but Charlie Blackman has to DH for the team now. Good point. By the way, I get to have one of those moments real quick, by the way. Uh, to, to, it's actually Tolia. The, the G is silent with Michael Tolia. So I get to have Isn't a very exciting it? minor league. Uh, I, think, I thought you said Toglio. I'm going to pretend uh, you said Toglio, so I got to correct you, so I didn't have to pretend right. I said sorry. I think Tolia, I think Tolia is going to make it. He's just the in-house guy. He they really know, he played him. last year. They like him. He's playing a lot in spring. And Nolan Jones has that option. So I think Tolia is going to make it as the first base, backup first base DH corner outfield guy. And uh, I don't know. That's that's the only guy that's kind of interesting. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, it hurt El Harris Montero. You know, it hurt El Harris Montero. Like you said, that was one yeah, of those kind of guys. He, he's, he's kind of taken off too. there. And Nolan Jones, at effect. I mean, really, both of those guys got smacked by Profar and Mustakis. Montero was more affected by uh, Mustakis. And now this really does affect Nolan Jones. It's a weird situation. They always do this. I don't understand it with the Rockies, but it creates 
really i i think mike mustakis is intriguing whatever anybody says i saw him i saw his first at bats with the rockies on the backfields he was going up against brad hand and he looked stiff but the bat speed was still there his legs weren't caught up or anything like that but he was so happy with his performance and he hit up brad hand in that little uh outing i mean him he's in hitting 500s before in spring it can't be totally dead yeah him in colorado jerks and profile in colorado both really interesting pieces there's just really weird situation going on with the Braves. We'll we'll kind of quickly get out of these, but the Braves, I don't know if you've seen this, but Vaughn Grisham, five straight games playing. of not starting. And the team has now openly said that um, Orlando Arcia is going to make the roster and one of Shoemake or him will be the second shortstop. But they're making it seem like, I, I don't think the shortstop, thing, my take on this is I don't think they like the shortstop thing that's happening with him and they don't know what to do with it because the bat's live. But seeing a guy at his level vying for this job to not play for five straight days, you know, is super sketchy. It's sus, as people younger than me would say. Yeah, I think uh, I think Arcia is probably the starter. I think the team thinks we're such a good team top to bottom. Why take a chance defensively? Why take a chance defensively at a time when the bases are bigger and there's going to be more bang, bang plays at first place. We're a championship contender. Let's just have a championship defender, you know, and then, and then Von Grissom can go quote unquote work on his defense in the minors. It's in this case, probably the number one thing they'll want to see from him, but it is weird because spring training doesn't matter. Why don't they just continue to see his defense now? It, yeah. it really smacks like a decision has been made. And then I just don't know where Von Grissom's future lies because Ozzy Albies is, is signed for a long time. And uh, they had worked him in the outfield a little bit last year. They were starting that process when Albies yeah. was coming back to he get him. He could be signed, a corner, but... corner outfielder, I guess, because Harris is, it seems, in Wisconsin center too. I mean, these guys are all signed to like 10 year deals. So, yeah, I don't think they planned around it enough. I think it's super uh, suspect, the whole thing. And, Unfortunately, I think it's making Von Grisham someone I don't want to draft. I don't want to touch him right now because I don't know what it's going to look like. Also, they've got a rotation thing going on where Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd are both competing for the final spot. Um, Dodd is, was really good. My the numbers other day. hate them. Did they hate? I was going to say, which guy do you like out of this list? Uh, I think, uh, like, I think Dodd is. I think uh, just, Dodd has an eighty-eight stuff plus, and Schuster. Uh, it's Schuster with an S H. Schuster has a seventy-two stuff plus. So, okay, uh, that's not going to make anybody happy. These uh, these numbers are through the fifteenth, so there is a there's at least one start on here that's not on there. And I Dodd had a really updates. good one. He had like a four inning game where he pitched he really did. well the other day. I know, and I know the results are there. Uh, I tend not to look too much towards results. And I would like to remind people that there are uh, Dylan Dodd was not ranked as a prospect yeah. uh, by Fangraphs, and I don't think Schuster was either. So Schuster, I think, is. I think Schuster should be one of the top. Schuster teams. was team rank one. Was he the top prospect for them right now? Yeah, he um, because they've on, used up all their prospects. Is he's yeah, only a forty-five future value? Yeah, their their system is pretty depleted right now so yeah. schuster's up there so schuster seems like the guy and he was he was throwing some strikes and fastball was flying and stuff like that but it definitely seems like a weird odd combo uh, between the seven k nine and triple a last year so yeah. I, I i neither one of these guys uh was supposed to be a top prospect and uh the stuff numbers aren't 
positive. So I, I'm not jumping in. I mean, I generally don't like rookie starters. Yeah. Well, uh, also RIP to Brandon fought, uh, not any morbid thing not, not but, actually uh, to, <laughs> Come on. to his rotation spot to his rotation yeah spot. right uh, yeah to all of nelson has picked it up of love light and the well, results are starting to match his stuff numbers more so i talked it's to become a nelson dre jameson battle for now i had talked to fought before um right before he went on the bus to go and pitch behind madison bumgarner he seemed like in such a good spot another really unique thing and i really thought i was on to something with this dre jameson was working solo in camp with the relievers. They had this side section where it was like all the reliever guys. I think that's guys, where he's headed myself. And Dre was there. And I was like, boy, Fott's good. Nelson's struggling. Dre is with the relievers. Uh, Dre, uh, Fott did everything he possibly could. And then I was at the camp a couple of days ago and Dre Jameson threw back as a starter starters. on the backfield. <laughs> yeah, he was on the backfields and he threw a full session and uh, Ryan Nelson got out there. So I still think Fott, if you have NA spots, I think Fott is up within the first month. And uh, I think he's still someone you can get at the back end of your draft. Smaller leagues, no. Deeper leagues, yes. But it is really unfortunate. So to uh, RIP to the excitement of Brandon Fott breaking the rotation because that did not happen. And I'm sad about that. I'm a sad panda. Uh, WBC. We got some WBC stuff plus numbers to end out the show. Some really interesting ones. You know, you gave me kind of a list of names and the top two are definitely going to be familiar. There's some international names that are going to jump out, but well, actually the, the number one, number one okay. was actually Shota Imanaga. Oh, okay. Uh, proceed. Yeah. And uh, it's only 58 pitches, but uh, when you have like a 134 stuff plus 58 pitches in, Yes, there could be regression or whatever, but you're likely to have a, an above average stuff plus. It's like, you know, like uh, how much is it going to regress from there? There's not, you don't usually have guys putting up 130s and then they end up at 95. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe he ends up at 120. Like, like Julio Rios, uh, just to give you uh, 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 a place to kind of, okay, context. this is, yeah, context. Yeah. Julio Rios had a 124. So I'm thinking Shota Managa, who had a 134, might end up at a 124. Hey, that's Julio Rios' territory. Sandy Alcantara had a 119. So, you know, Jordan Hicks, mm. 119. So good. This is really good stuff, even if it comes down from there. And Imanaga is really interesting because, um, you know, he's actually, and this is, we're going to talk about age a little bit more. He's 29 years old. So I don't know his exact contract uh, status in Japan, but it's likely that he could come over. It's a lot easier for him to come over because he's not part of that rookie pool. Yeah, you're post-25 in Japan or or internationally. Once you're outside of 25, you're kind of open game. It's open season, especially in Japan if they want to, if there's like posting and whatnot. It's just about team posting a player if they're still locked into a contract. That's it. Yeah, and he had a 204 ERA in 158 innings last year. Um, and then in 2021, he had a 283 ERA in 149 innings. I haven't seen, I don't see bulk here, so maybe there's some injury history. He's topped out at 170 innings, it looks like, uh, in 2019. So maybe there's an injury history. But uh, for his career, nine strikeouts, uh, one strikeout per, per inning, basically, nine, 9K9, 324 ERA. Uh, really small walk rate. So this doesn't, this looks like a, a guy who could pitch in America. And so yeah, I would, I don't know that I would 
zoom him to the top of uh, your boards without more context about his contract um, and uh, you know his injury history. But just looking at the stuff number and looking at his his stats and looking at his age alone makes him uh, somebody that I want to maybe draft and. Uh, first year drafts, first year player drafts, and he's not going to be necessarily my first pick, um, but uh, he is somebody that I have a first year player draft that's coming up, and uh, he's definitely on my list for that. Uh, the next two are interesting names from America that you've heard wow. before: Carlos Hernandez. Small uh, as a short appearance. I tried to limit it to twenty five pitches per appearance and more to get starters. He's at twenty seven, so he's right there in between reliever and starter. Um, Jose de Leon is right behind him at 64 pitches, uh, in one appearance, um, with these numbers. So, uh, both those guys showing improved stuff. Uh, Jose de Leon is in the twins bullpen. Most likely I have to say, where is he? Is he still in bait? I mean, cause he was a yeah. heralded raised prospect, uh, for many years and then was over with the reds. Uh, I, mean, I fastball is back. And as a reliever, I think he's pretty interesting. I mean, you just left to look at the, the career of Jorge Lopez, who's in that bullpen to see somebody who struggled along as a starter and immediately became an impact reliever. We might be seeing that with both these guys because Carlos Hernandez's best pitch is his four seamer. He has, he, if he was in the rotation, he had the best, he would have the best fastball in the Royals rotation. That was his, that was his calling card. It's a, it's damning by faint praise given the rest of that Royals rotation, Mm -hmm. but uh, his command has been bad. And that could uh, be mitigated in in short stints. If he's a if he's a reliever, then he can stop throwing whatever pitches he can't command. He can slim it down. He can get one target, and he can just blow people away. So, I I think Carlos Hernandez is uh, is interesting. I think both these guys are interesting, but it's mostly like a stash for later. Like that, like a ah, uh, hmm, you know, like a <laughs> you know things that things that have to change for them to. to I don't think Carlos Hernandez is in that Royals rotation. And I don't think DeLeon is one of the final three guys in the Twins bullpen. So I don't even think he's a holds guy. But Carlos Hernandez has the stuff to be the Royals closer. So if there's any injury to Scott Barlow and Hernandez is in that bullpen, he immediately, if he if there is holds, and uh, this is a real limited use case, but it's super interesting sometimes for people. SPRP leagues, Carlos Hernandez. You want to get a few extra holds out of a stolen a starting pitcher slot, that might be a place to look. Oh, that's really sneaky because I like him more. Is it because I actually still think this team is going to go in on Chapman and then they have Barlow, they also have Stamont. That, um, I think Hernandez could be really sneaky for holds based leagues, and that is a really great strategy for dropping him in on SP spot. I like that a lot. Big fastball. Uh, tonight's starter, Roki Sasaki, is of course in the top five. He throws, he like sits 99. So uh, of course, he's up here. Uh, uh, we're sitting right between Julio Urias and uh, Sandy Alcantara. So uh, uh, he has legitimate major league stuff, but we gave the context earlier. How old is Roki Sasaki? 21, I believe. So he is not eligible. He's el- so he could come over stateside. The problem is he would be stuck to the international uh, signing pool situation, which is around a five point, whatever. It's usually not over $6 million capped that teams have to sign. Just like the Ethan Salas or the uh, young international kids from like the Dominican Republic, he would be under those same guidelines and rules, which wouldn't be enticing for the team to post him. 
it wouldn't be enticing for him. So the only other way around it is wait until you're at least 25 years old. Then the team can go into full on posting and then you can get a full on contract. So unfortunately, even though he might be the most fascinating and awesome international prospect, probably over the next four years, it's going to be for the next four years because he's not coming over until 2027. There's just no incentive for his team to post him if they can make a million dollars off it. You know, yeah. the posting system has now created a disincentive for Japanese teams to to post their guys until they're 25. Because what did you say too? It was a 20% of whatever it's the 20% contract of the contract. So, so if he yeah. signs for 5.5, you know, that's like million, uh, which is the max. 1.1 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's, that's not these big paydays that they used to get. And in the meantime, they are, you know, as you said off air, selling jerseys. You know, uh, getting, you know, getting people into the yeah, stadium. They can make, they can make that in half of a season easy. They're winning games with him. You know, like one million dollars is not a reason to 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 send him packing. It does get closer when like they're about to run out of team control. So it's a lot like in America where you know, oh, this team, you know, has a guy that's going to be a free agent next year or the year after. That's when you're going to start to hear Roki Sasaki's name a little bit more. Yeah. But just to, to give you some context of how long four years is in the life of a, of a pitching a pitching prospect or somebody like this, um, you know, we just had uh, Shintaro Fujinami come over. And I was like so breathless excited about Shintaro Fujinami like four years ago. You know, like I like we were just getting and I think it might even be it might have been WBC related or something. But there was just like it was like, oh, here's this guy he's sitting 99 and he's got this amazing forkball. And like, you know, then I was like, oh, when does he come, when can he come over? And it was like, oh, 2023, you know, and in the meantime, he's been hurt a lot turned into a reliever. His command problems have been exposed, you know? So like four years is a long time to, to wait for somebody. If you, if you have a league that you think will be around in four years and you can just sit on him, take him. But uh, you know, I would, what do you ha- I would consider him like a solace. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly what we were talking about off air too, is like what you could consider if you have an open format where you can draft uh, just any, you know, open world, you treat him like Ethan Salas because you know you're not getting four years of production. And you're, uh, Ethan Salas actually might break that. He might be like three years of production. But anytime you take any of these international guys or low A guys and you invest in them, you're three to four years away. So if you're out taking Yasser Mercedes with the Twins or Anthony Gutierrez or uh, Josue De La Pala with the, the Dodgers, you're three to four years away from those guys. Roki, if you consider the same thing, you could take him now and just sit for the four years. But where would you take him? I would take him very high because I think he will be whenever he's out, as long as nothing drastic happens, he'll be the number one first year player without question. He will be mm-hmm. the guy. And cause you'll still be young enough and the stuff, as long as it doesn't uh, digress. So he popped, did you give the actual number? Did I miss it? What was his, uh, his stuff plus number? Uh, it was right between Urias and Alcantara. So I think one twenty five. let me get it up. Okay. That's a big number. Yeah, it's a good number. It's, uh, you know, for example, on my player ranks for more context, um, you know, Corbin Burns has a 126. You know, th- these are these are smaller samples, you know, yeah. uh, but it does. But, you know, this sort of stuff comes online really quickly. And that's that's why I'm reporting them. You know, it's, we, it, we we have more information now than we did uh before he pitched in front of the machines. So the last name uh, before we get out of here uh, is another Japanese guy, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, he threw 60 pitches. That's that's enough to know uh, about his fastball and his breaking ball, at least. 
um, you know, and he had a 118 stuff plus, basically in a tie with Christian Javier, um, a couple of ticks above Sonny Gray and you Darvish. So Yoshinobu Yamamoto is a guy to remember. And um, what's cool about him is that I don't think he's going to be on as many radars. Um, he's 24 and uh, depending on what happens in the next couple of days, if he goes out and shoves, you know, tonight, if he's pitching or, or if he pitches in the, in the championship game for Japan, then everybody's going to remember, but people might forget because he might not pitch in the next couple of games, right? Like they have guys like Otani and Darvish, you know, <laughs> like if Yoshinobu Yamamoto doesn't pitch, people are going to forget, but, and also he's been a reliever for a big part of his, his time in the, in, in Japan, but in the last couple of years, he's started 193 innings in both of them. Uh, with an ERA under two, mm. he had a 139 ERA in 193 innings in 2021, and a 196 in 2022. And now he's showing up on the Stuff Plus list as having similarish stuff to Christian Javier. And I'm sure he doesn't have the same command issues. Uh, I'm not going to report the command number because it's so full of noise in in a small sample like this. But I, I would just, you know, I, I'm just guessing. I am looking at it, but I'm not, I'm trying not to look at it, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, just guessing also from these really low walk totals in Japan, you know, sometimes people have bad command and low walk totals, but he had a 1.9 BB nine in 2021 and a 2.0 last year. I'm guessing he has pretty good command. So Yoshinawa Yamamoto turning 25 next year. So he may get posted at the end of the season next year. And you don't have to wait four years like Roki Sasaki. And he seems like he's in his prime right now. So hmm. that that those are some names for you. Maybe they belong on Project Prospect, but uh, they're coming out of the WBC atches. Also, Carlos Hernandez and, and Jose Leon, you know, resurfacing is, is something worth noting. I love it. That's some good stuff. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast because that's going to do it for us. Go and check us out over at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Speaking of uh, uh, prospect, uh, project prospect uh, oh, you and I will be doing that tomorrow and I think I forgot to mention this on the pod in case you don't follow on Twitter or miss the announcement on the athletic but if you're in New York City I'm having an event at other half brewing on March 30th uh, where I have a sandwich that I've made called the knuckleball and mm-hmm. a beer that we made together called staring into the shift there is a panel the RSVP is closed for the panel but there's a watch party that uh, starts at 4 p.m. because that's there's games going on that day during the day. So there's a watch party at other half starts at 4 p.m. March 30th, and you don't have to RSVP for that. For RSVP for that, and you can come by and get a sandwich and uh, toast a beer for with me. Although I have to be careful about how many beers I have because I am on the panel <laughs> later. <laughs> toast a lot of beers, a problem. So. All right, so uh, go and hit Eno up, Eno Saris on Twitter. That's the easy follow. Go and do that. That sounds like an awesome event. I wish I was in New York to do it. Uh, theathletic.com slash rates and barrels sign up today friends that is going to do it thank you for hanging out with us it is eno it's welsh we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow bye-bye thanks for listening